So welcome, Marketing Principles students, for our Module 4 Marketing Mix lecture. We will start with an overview of the Marketing Mix, and then we will proceed into the first and most important element, the product element, often called the brand, which of course includes both goods, tangible value, and services, intangible value. But let's first begin in the mix with an understanding of the importance of the marketing mix, and we will then proceed. The marketing mix is often regarded as an analogy based on making a cake, as many of us hopefully as children had the experience of licking the bowl when a relative was making cake mix. And that analogy of cake mix is intended for the marketing mix. The marketing mix is composed of four separate functional elements, product, place, promotion, and price, which when managed skillfully should be integrated like mixing batter, milk, eggs, and icing, ultimately afterwards. And in that analogy, it is the product element that is the batter, the most important element without the batter, you do not have cake, but yet the batter is supposed to be mixed seamlessly with the distribution element or milk and the value element, the egg, and ultimately after the cake has been baked, what we taste first and what attracts us is the icing. And so the icing on the cake is analogous to the promotions element or advertising or image message. So this is a standard analogy to help students understand that we're not trying to put together functional elements for the market and consumer to perceive the different elements, but we are mixing together uh, elements that will seamlessly interweave and intermix to provide a unified offering. And as you know, in marketing, our terminology for official concepts uses quite common language. So I will only use official terminology, even if it sounds common. And that other term, as you might know from your textbook, offering is an official term for what we provide of value in the product element. So we are going to now move from the overview of the marketing mix, which presents a unified value, oftentimes referred to as the offering, and the most important element, as in the analogy of the cake mix, is the batter, and that batter is analogous to the product. That is the stuff, if you will, of value. I'm moving now as a audio narrative to your visual narrative of the PowerPoint slides for chapter 10. And if you have those slides or if you will view them shortly after listening to this podcast, or if you have viewed them shortly before, you will find most of the meaning in what I'm conveying to you by podcast, by combining what I say with the slides that you see, what we might call show and tell. 
And so the product concepts begin by overview of what is a product. And that starts with a definition. As you know, many of the chapters will begin with an overview, more general, and then we get into specific concepts. And what you should be doing, of course, as you're following the audio narrative and putting it with the visual narrative of the slides, you know the audio narrative is a recording. So the first time through may be good to look, look at your slides, but eventually it will be helpful to listen to the audio narrative of the podcast and look at your pool items to see which answers and explanations for the reasons for the answers you can derive from the podcast. But my intent is not to teach the test. That's your role to study the test. My intent is to provide a lecture on the slides and the concepts with elaboration. For the definition of the term product, everything both favorable and unfavorable that a person receives in an exchange. So what you get is a level of value and it includes some things that detract from the value, but all total, that is what we call the product, that which we receive in an exchange. It can be a tangible good, a service, or even an idea, and it can extend to things as large as a country. Countries are products. Uh, they are marketed all the time in tourism and for other policy reasons, and something as small as an atom, which of course is sold in laboratories to chemical companies, and we don't even see, but a product in essence is everything that is exchanged for value. Eventually, what we are doing, as I mentioned earlier in the overview analogy of the marketing mix, is not simply developing products. Many companies fail because that is their, in, that is their emphasis. We are developing a product as part of an overall offering, and so we don't need to wait until we've developed the product to decide how it should fit into uh, a certain distribution place, uh, message, promotion, or uh, 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 a charge amount that is charged a price. We shouldn't wait until we finish developing the product to integrate it. We should be thinking about how the product can be integrated from the very beginning. And so this is that second slide that lets us know the product is the starting point of the marketing mix, but that we should be thinking about how it is compatible with the other elements, even while we're doing it and before we have begun to plan those other elements, think in terms of the product's compatibility with place, promotion, and price. We start with a classification of products. It's important for us when we're doing planning to know which category we are planning for. These categories have been determined in a way that clarifies for customers, uh, both B2C and B2B, what it is they should be comparing our value to. So it's important to understand as we're formulating product strategy, which classifications we are in. First classification is, are we developing a business product, B2B, or a consumer product? And those definitions are presented for you. B business product used to manufacture other goods or services or to facilitate an organization's operations or simply to resell. Consumer product is bought, bought to satisfy individual product wants or the household needs. As we move into consumer product, and of course in the U.S., we are a consumer 
driven economy. That is not the case globally for every country, but certainly in most of the industrialized countries are consumer driven. We can tell that because the retail sector is a larger proportion. And in the U.S., the retail sector uh, ebbs around 80 percent and even higher. And so we begin with the consumer products, which are the products which are most most numerous, and therefore the textbook makes sure we take these classifications up first. We can see that the consumer products divide into convenience, shopping, specialty, and unsought products. And these definitions are not in terms of what the company or organization thinks. These definitions are in terms of what the consumer perceives. So for different consumers in different segments, as you know, in module three, we learned market segmentation and target markets. And so depending on the consumer's position or profile, one consumer may view a product as convenience and another consumer may view it as a shopping or specialty product. And the definitions uh, are based on the amount of effort that the consumer expends. And as a result, if someone has a very wealthy profile, they may purchase products such as cars or computers uh, without even spending a great deal of time to uh, evaluate them or without spending a great uh, proportion of their income. And so the amount of money spent seems very small, even for a car or a computer, if you have a very wealthy profile. On the other hand, if you have a working class profile, some of those same products for that customer could be specialty products. And uh, they would therefore see them as a unique distribution retail outlet trip and make it accordingly. So although these definitions are ultimately from the customer's point of view, we do have certain guidelines from the supply or company's point of view as to what uh, constitutes convenience, shopping, specialty, or unsought. But ultimately remember that these basic definitions that we will use to compose the product element strategy are always determined ultimately by the customer's perceptions. So from the supply side, these convenience products can be uh, described as relatively inexpensive and merit little shopping effort. So these are the things that as we're putting it together, we decide is our company producing products that are relatively inexpensive and merit little shopping effort? And if we do, we begin to say, well, we need to formulate a convenience product strategy. On the other hand, a shopping product, a product that requires uh, comparison shopping, but is usually more expensive and found in fewer stores. And it's that indication um, that distinguishes a shopping product from convenience product that you can look at it being offered in fewer stores. And that means it probably, if that's what you intend to produce and distribute in fewer stores, is a shopping product. A specialty product then is, is found in the fewest number of stores, when some might even regard that as exclusive. And uh, then the unsought product, this is a category that for consumers, and again, it depends on each market, but for consumers, they really um, do not actively seek that product until a situation emerges. And in our present 
uh, pandemic situation, we see a lot of these types of products coming to the fore. The unsought product would be ambulatory care, medical care, funeral care, uh, even things um, such as um, replacing a home generator, uh, heavy expenses that you don't plan uh, uh, on making, and then the condition or situation emerges and you have to seek that product that you ordinarily would not be seeking. On the other hand, the convenient shopping and specialty products are continuously shopped for. Then as we move to uh, as we move to the next item, which would be product uh, lines, let me just give another understanding elaboration. And that is, if you recall from module two in the chapter six B2C consumer decision process, you remember there were categories that are fairly close to the product categories. And this gives us a nice comparison of demand and supply. When in this case, on the supply side, we have these product categories and there are four of them for the marketer to put together as they're formulating their product strategy. And then on the demand side, there are for the individual consumer, similar categories that we recall from uh, module two. And those strategies or those categories, I should say, are the way in which the consumer makes their decisions and the way in which uh, those decisions are processed uh, also depends on the effort expended. And we knew these as routine, limited and extensive decision-making. So if you were, for instance, to return to your slides, which you have on the consumer decision process, you would find that these categories from the demand side do exist and again would be routine similar to convenience from the marketer's product strategy side limited similar to shopping product from the marketer's product strategy side and extensive decision making which would correspond to specialty uh, products on the product category side given that elaboration for understanding let's move forward into product items lines and mixes and as I'm moving forward, let me keep you mindful, not just on my verbal narrative, but on the purpose for which you are listening, which is to perform well on the final exam. And as you know, we have the question table for module four final exam. And I just want to make sure you are proceeding along with that. And it doesn't take much. But if we were to refer quickly to that question table, we would see that we have just finished the first of four concepts that are eligible for 
the final exam, which is product classification. And I wanted to make you mindful of the question table, which guides your selection and study of cool items as I'm moving to the second of four concepts in chapter 10 that are on the concept table, which is the product mix. Having given you that opportunity to reference your table, let's move into the product mix. So product items, lines, and mixes are how companies grow their offerings. And oftentimes it is recommended that you start with one item so that you minimize the risk and improve your expertise at delivering the value. Oftentimes test that item in the market before introducing additional items that are similar or closely related, that is the definition for product line. And certainly it's recommended that you introduce one product item before you embark on an entire product mix. And we can see this in the apparel industry where it's very tempting if you feel you have demand, say, for a particular type of outerwear, uh, as in maybe Patagonia or other uh, manufacturers of jackets and hoodies, if you, if you will, it's very tempting to say, well, let's make bottoms to match this outerwear. Let's make gloves or let's make shirts to match because we're good with the outerwear. Let's move to the other apparel items. And it is not the case that if there is demand for one particular product item, that an entire line is what I've described from outerwear to uh, shirts to uh, bottoms, uh, gloves, accessories, scarves. It's not the case that they will all sell. It is more the case that those additional items will, in fact, take away the success of the item that has been most demanded and that you have the most skill in delivering. And again, this can work for services as well, but we will address services specifically in the next chapter 12. But all of these concepts for the product element apply to goods and services. Uh, and so it is advised that we start in formulating product strategy with an item and let that success then let the customer tell us which additional items should be added to the line and whether or not additional lines should be added to create a mix. That allows us, with that quick overview of product items, lines, and mixes, to move into the depth and, breadth and width of product mix. And you will notice on the slide that's number 13, in the lower right-hand corner, that the width of the product mix is just what we refer to with the apparel items, where we add additional lines. We first have a line, so a line of outerwear would be jackets with hoods, jackets without hoods, jackets with pockets, jackets with um, multiple pockets, and those would all be the same product line. But if we added additional lines for bottoms, for gloves, for accessories, for tops, then those would be additional lines because they're not the same to manufacture or not perceived as the same in terms of where the values derive from as the outerwear. And those additional lines would then expand the width of our mix. As we go back to the initial line of outerwear, if we each of the different types of outerwear with hoods, without hoods, zip, button, with pockets, multiple pockets would be different items within the line and that would increase the depth of our mix. And you see on the slide it's showing 
these not for apparel, but for Campbell's soup. And we see the more items of soup in the soup line increase the depth, the more lines or types of offerings besides soup, different than soup, increase the width. And that gives you a good understanding of developing product strategy by gradually expanding the product mix through depth, the line items and width, the number of different lines. We now look at why would we want to do this? There are benefits to product lines. Uh, if the company has expertise and they're able to expand that expertise, you get economies uh, in terms of advertising. Uh, when uh, Patagonia or other apparel manufacturers uh, advertise, if they only have one item compared to if they have multiple uh, items in an entire line or compared to if they have an entire mix, then that advertising covers more items for the buck. That's advertising economies. Obviously, if you have a line, and even if you're successfully expanding to a mix, but certainly a line, the packaging uniformity would be able to be preserved. This is particularly the case when you have packaged items as in foods and household supplies, asundried items. You can standardize the components. Obviously, we think about larger product types like computers and automobiles and appliances. And therefore, you have standardized components that can be used in all of the items within the line, as well as multiple products in other lines. And obviously, efficient sales and distribution. The sales force now is able to focus on the lines and uh, the items within the line uh, in the way that is most efficient for uh, selling and delivering. And obviously we can measure quality equivalently uh, when we have an entire line. Uh, it's unlikely that if you are producing an entire line that one of the items has high quality and another item has low quality. So the way in which they're produced, including services, allows for a quality to be maintained consistently throughout the line or mix. We then understand that this is just uh, conceptual and helps us to plan and it's the market that determines success and once the product line has uh, entered the market we will see from the customer's reaction which types of adjustments are required whether we should eliminate certain items add new items uh, modify the features of particular items change the image which would be product repositioning uh, or in fact add new lines or contract the reduced lines, those are the product line mix adjustments. Now, I think uh, if you're following, we can see clearly that the uh, product modifications that were talked about as one of the three types of adjustments is elaborated now to three particular types of product modifications quality, function, and style. Then as we move to the second of the three types of adjustments, repositioning, we see on slide 17 that the repositioning may be done because you're targeting a different demographic or the demographic of your geographic market has changed, become younger, become older, become more ethnically diverse or other types of lifestyles. And you want to then have that product or a brand 
to fit the current market. And as a result, you may have to change the image to fit the current market away from what the image was when you first introduced the brand. Likewise, you need to do repositioning if it's not selling. If it's not selling, we don't beat our head up against a brick wall. We change. We follow the customer's lead. Declining sales is a signal from our customers that they don't like the image of our product. And then changes in the social environment also. Uh, one of the most notable, of course, is eco-sustainability, which has caused a numerous uh, repositioning around eco-friendly products and branding <clears throat> across product and industry categories. But there are other changes in social environment as well. And as these happen, we want to reposition. The product line extension is talked about as the third adjustment. <clears throat> and of course, we are either adding additional products or in some cases, uh, adding an entire line. But in terms of the line extension, it's just adding additional items in the line. And we want to make sure if we're extending the line that we make sure to not overextend because there is a process called cannibalization that will occur if you have too many items in your line and customers can't really distinguish the value. Eventually, what they're going to be doing is leaving one of your items and purchasing another one. And this has happened and does happen routinely as you, I'm sure, shopping in the stores for things like laundry detergent, toothpaste, mouthwash. Some of the number of different items uh, gets overtaxed, uh, uh, causes our minds to become overtaxed. And uh, we simply will move from one of the items to another one. Uh, it's rare that when you overextend the line that you're actually getting customers who are not in your uh, brand community to purchase new. Uh, and these are the symptoms that you've overextended when you're getting cannibalization and your resources are being wasted. You can uh, go to uh, reduce the line and be more effective. That then completes the second of four chapter 10 product element strategy concepts and we move with slide 19 into the third of four concepts the one that we know and love so well and really makes the product element a powerful value conveyor and that is branding branding as we know is something that we end up perceiving through communication and so we're merely talking about the definitions and characteristics of the brand. The execution of brand strategy requires all of the other uh, uh, four uh, marketing mix elements, the other three, I should say. And specifically, the promotions and advertising element is a necessity for effective branding. And we understand that. So we are not completing brand strategy we're merely defining and giving some structure in the product element for what will be completed in each of the other uh, three of the uh, of four marketing mix elements. And so we see the definition for brand name, the part of the brand that can be spoken, including letters, words, and numbers. The brand mark, it cannot be spoken. It is a symbol, sometimes called the brand logo. We have brand equity, which is measured 
uh, through the financial market success. And we have products that have achieved such strong brand equity as is measured by the value associated with the name itself, that these are called intangible value and accountants uh, keep a track of these uh, intangible values. And the most successful brands, the brand name's value is worth more than all of the money, equipment, people, and property combined. And these are well-known brand names that you know, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and others. The name has so much value that the name itself is worth more financially than the rest of the company combined. That's high brand equity. In most cases, we strive to just make our brand equity on par or exceed our competitors or peers. But I want you to know that brand equity is not just a concept. It is a financial reality. It is an asset that can be used uh, for collateral, uh, for loans, and it has actual market exchange value as an asset. And then global branding is really a concept that as you've been successful in taking your brand from domestically around the world,